Hello, my name is Anne Duggan. I've been interested in the housing and care of aging people since my childhood. My several careers were different in scope, but similar in the belief that aging is a natural process. Applying the philosophy of person-centered care will create a safe, socially connected and comforting environment for healthy aging. This podcast is where I have conversations with my friend Ria about our life stories, some practical knowledge about aging, and some thoughts on caregiving relationships. Hello and welcome. My name is Jie Zhang, Anne's friend. I am a professor of service management and a lifelong student of service design and delivery for aging people. And this is our conversation. In this episode, Anne shares her insights on practical ways that turn meals into powerful prevention tools to help elders eat well, sleep well, and stay strong longer. She reminded us that food is not only a source of nutrition, but a source of joy and fun of our life, as the stories about the peanut brittle and mealtime songs demonstrate. Hello, Anne. How are you? I'm very well today. Thank you so much. Excellent. Great to hear. So these days, I am uh, doing a lot of thinking on time. I'm I'm actually doing uh, time accounting for myself, (laughs) looking at the tasks that I need to do and realize I actually don't have much time during a day to do many of my tasks. So, but, but that also links to something that you often say is taking care of the elderly. A lot of time comes down to time and money, time and money. If we have time, unlimited time and unlimited resources, we, we can take care of our uh, elderly people really well. But then I come to think it's also something related to how we look at the, the challenge in front of us. If we trying to fix the entire elder care sector, uh, obviously that will take a lot of time and a lot of money. But sometimes if we reframe the problem a little bit and say, can we do prioritize? Can we prioritize certain things? And we know for those things, a little bit of money can go a long way. So when I look around, when I think about health, prevention comes to mind. Right. If I take care of my teeth, it costs me $25 to clean my teeth, but it will cost me a lot more if I don't do the routine cleaning and then have a problem, (laughs) then it's going to be very costly. So I'm thinking for elder care, what kind of preventative things we can do? Where can we start so that our dollar can stretch a bit further and people's quality of life can be improved upon? So I think I would like to tap into your brain and then think about where do we start if we want to focus on prevention? Well, I think preventing um, complications for people in the clinical sense is probably underlying everything that we're all trying to do for the elderly, especially um, families who are caring for someone at home. Um, There's so many things they can, once they're aware of it, they can be watching for and improving and designing their own uh, systems to work uh, more effectively 
one of the things that comes to mind that I believe is terribly important in the elderly population is the level of nutrition. And when we speak to families who are looking after mom or dad at home, they often will say to me, um, I just can't get them to eat properly. They're just not interested mm. in food or they're not, they don't seem to be eating um, with enthusiasm. It's hard to find. So over the years, I've developed a number of ideas about what can be done um, just to make all that uh, less of a headache for people. And one of the first things I did when I started on this testing of what can we do for people to make their life simpler is de deconstruct the traditional three big meals a day kind mm. of living and eating because the elderly need specific types of nutrition to give them the energy and, and, and keep their um, skeleton strong and so on. And three meals a day is not really match their way of functioning. So mm. for many years now, I have suggested to people that it might be a nice idea to just <clears throat> not think of food in the in the one day at a time. Think of it maybe over a two to three day uh, period and make a make a thought about how many calories you'd like to get into them in that period of time or something like that. It loosens it up a bit and gives you a lot of flexibility. Mm. So a lot of things that do work are quite often more successfully than seating somebody at a table and putting a plate of food in front of them is um, just to have a selection of lighter foods um, more often throughout the day. <clears throat> not necessarily things that are going to be dropping crumbs on the floor all the time, but just um, some that are finger foods are easy to eat and, and have a fair amount of hydration related to the food itself. So mm -hmm. we know that they're getting as much hydration as we can get into them over the course of a day. And um, it's a little more social for them. It's a little more relaxed. They can eat while they're sitting in any chair or out on the deck or in the garden or wherever, just constantly small amounts. Those things like the things that people seem to like are the things that obviously have some um, taste to them. So, you know, anything you can do with bite-sized pieces of, uh, of chicken. Um, mm. Uh, or some very small sandwiches. So they've got some good whole wheat bread content, but very, but very small, cut maybe three little triangles of a sandwich and use a filling that might be a, a salmon or a tuna or, or an egg sandwich, something that has a taste to it and has protein in it and is pleasant and is quite tidy to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds very delicious. My mouth is watering, actually, as you were talking about it. <laughs> I know, you know, it's a bit of variation, but it's, uh, and it's interesting that if you don't think about just as a day-to-day -day thing, but over a period of two or three days, now has this person eaten 
enough you know is their diet mm. balanced enough and it is over that when you, you do it that way so there different times there's cut up fruits or you know and another thing that i found really works awfully well is um milkshakes or, sm or smoothies as people usually call them and you can make them in anything in there that um that is good and tasty mm -hmm. and, and they will like that uh so and then anything that's natural and vegetables from the garden, fresh if possible, you know, because um, they just do so much better with um, food that provides uh, vitamins and so on, but in a, in a fresh and healthy manner. So they don't require so much supplemental food or commercially supplemented food, um, but as much natural food as possible. Right, right. It really does work. The real food, right? And the homemade <laughs> soup, right? <laughs> Those sound really good. And the, the takeaway that I hear is to have smaller and more frequent nutritious right. and tasty, tasty That's meals. Right. Yep. And yep. come to think of it, really, there's no reason to have three big meals for an yep. elderly person who does not have a nine to five job, I hope. <laughs> right? Yep. The, the, it, it's nice to have food as as small activities that they can do throughout the day, right? We, we enjoy food, not just yep. as nutrition. It's a social event. And for, you know, many of these older folks in their 80s and 90s now, they've had major social lives where they gave dinner parties for 20 people at a time and so on. They know a lot about food. And mm -hmm. so that, um, I think just spreading out their choices uh, uh, over a longer period with small amounts at a time makes a lot more sense to me. And I've, well, I've proved it several times in my care homes that they, they eat better. Yeah. And when they eat better, everything is better because yeah. they're, they're not agitated as much and, uh, and they sleep well and so on. So um, one of the things that is a lot of families have mentioned to me is, is the mother or dad seem to crave uh, sweets. Mm. Well, they do, they just love them. I mean, it's that's a pleasant memory to have mm. of sweet things. And I'm not sure um, nutritionally what's exactly happening there, but uh, I don't uh, deny them um, sweets. It's just sometimes you have to be a little bit a little bit sensible about it. My mom, who I always use as an example because she was just everything that an Alzheimer person would do. My mom um, really got so she craved sweets and that was very unusual for us to see. Uh -huh. But my memory is one Christmas I was assisting her mm -hmm. um, making peanut brittle candy for her grandchildren. And she wanted to make quite a lot and put it in little boxes for them. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And um, which we did until late one night. She was really tired and so was I. And we all got settled down. In the morning when I went to get the boxes to give to the children, there was no peanut brittle left in any of them. She'd eaten it all through the course what? of the night. And so... <laughs> I hope so she was okay <laughs> from all the candies. <laughs> I know how much she liked sweets. And that's not really an unusual story. Mm. Uh, it just caught us by surprise because we didn't really know that. <laughs> She'd never shown that side of her before. Uh -huh. But um, it, it is an issue sometimes. It's best to keep a bit of an eye on that. Mm -hmm.
the things that we're looking for that people need is as much um, protein as we can get into them comfortably. Right. Meat, fish, milk, eggs, all those things. As much uh, fresh food in the way of vegetables or whatever, in whatever mm -hmm. form and fruit. Um, all of those things are very helpful. Yeah. So, Anne, you talked about making the food tasty and nutritious, mm -hmm. but when you know, at the beginning, you mentioned the family said they just lost interest in food. So is that an appetite issue? Like if they don't have appetite, it doesn't really matter how tasty the food is, right? That's right. No, I don't think it's that. Well, I don't think it's appetite as much as accessibility to the food that they like and in amounts that they aren't overwhelmed by. I, I truly think that if they're, they have a regular dinner put in front of them, um, two or three things happen. One, it looks way too much for them and mm. too big, and they're not quite sure how to manage that. Secondly, depending on where they are on that memory scale, many people have forgotten how to use a knife and fork. Oh, that's what you mean by accessibility. They forget, to, they forget their, how to use their utensils, and so sometimes a caregiver will report that they just seem to be playing with their food or moving it around on the on the plate mm -hmm. and they'll move it around on the plate and they'll appear to be doing something but they're probably not eating it and so one of the magic tricks about that at home or or anywhere is to seat someone opposite them um, who is using their utensils properly and just without making an issue about it the affected person will watch and they will that will click their memory is yeah that's what I do with this fork here this is what it's for um, so they they can then do that um, sometimes it's um, noise levels and people trying to talk to them when they're eating um, or other people at the table there's so many distractions mm -hmm. um, that's another reason that I think sometimes we're better off not trying to set a traditional meal time and, and serving, but just uh, making sure they get the food they need, but in a different way. I see. So you're saying that if it's too much food, it can be intimidating. And if it's the utensils that seem strange and unfamiliar, yeah. then a little bit of help, a little bit of behavioral cue might be able to, to help them to get started. The way that all of this works about aging and aging with dementia is there's, there's somebody somewhere. They don't always have to be right at hand, but oh. it's a pretty lonely life for people um, unless they can see someone or know they're there or whatever. So, yeah, we don't want to leave them in, in isolation. Another thing that happens quite often mm -hmm. is somebody will get an idea, they'll decide, they don't like the food or they're not going to eat or they'll and it, it it's often not based on any of those things it's based on something else that's going on in their mind at the moment so i've always encouraged my staff wherever uh, we were to um do other things um sing sing a song about eating the food and and i've had uh, caregivers who've been so excited to find out that that works you know how can you tell me yeah, I, I just say, you know, it all goes back to my um, statements about we have to be prepared to take a risk or be 
be seen to be silly mm. because sometimes we have to be really silly to to achieve the goal here <laughs> and uh, but one one story i have about a caregiver who was saying to me i cannot get this lady to open her mouth she just clamps her mouth shut every time she sees some food coming on her on the fork she just won't open her mouth so i said well try singing a song and, and this girl said to me what kind of song i said oh any song i said and then she said oh i know this lady's really christian and she always has her bible right beside her and uh, so the next day when I saw the caregiver, I said, how did the feeding go? And she was just so smiling and happy. Mm -hmm. She said she ate her whole meal. And I said, well, what did you do? So she said to I said to her, <clears throat> I see your Bible there. Do you believe what it tells you in the Bible? This lady said, oh, of course I do. So there's a Sunday school song that we all learned as children. Um, which says the Bible tells you so. Mm -hmm. And so this caregiver sang the Bible. <laughs> We're going to eat now. The Bible tells you. And then she would sing the Bible. And then the lady started singing it at the same time. And by the time, because it was a song she remembered from her Sunday school days. And by the time this was over, the whole meal uh, had been eaten um, by the client. So we know that it's sometimes just something going on. They've got stuck on a thought, um, or maybe not even a thought, but just a physical reaction and, and to distract them or dissuade them in some other way, mm -hmm. by changing what's going on immediate in their immediate setting. Um, and so that is going from speaking to singing um, seems to work. Wow. Always, always a good idea to be able to do things like that. Just to, just to, it's like tuning on your radio, you know, and then you have to get the exact place on the dial to hear it properly. Well, sometimes we have to just change the, the exact surrounding to get closer to something that um, our client is looking for in life. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great story. So inspiring. <laughs> it, it made the, the mealtime fun, right? It's not just about food. It makes everything better because then the caregiver feels, oh, thank goodness she's eaten. You mm -hmm. know, she'll be okay now because we worry when people don't eat. Um, there's so many other things happen. And uh, so it, it, it really makes everybody win in, in that sort of situation yeah that must have made that caregiver so proud <laughs> yeah, she was right very very proud and very happy and mm -hmm. you know, now she knows she can do that for lots of things yeah wow this is a great journey with you and we started with thinking about what can we do about prevention now you <laughs> brought up all that discussion around around food actually it's not about just nutrition it's the social aspect of food it's Absolutely. about redirecting right not just focusing on the proteins the the yeah. the fiber and the vitamin but think about that as a person what are they needing what what can help them to to build a a, a more natural relationship with the food that will give them the strength and and That's right. health That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. And the sweet story about the peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lots of those stories. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. And this, this is okay. wonderful. And I look forward to talking with you next time. Okay, thank you so much.